Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. Let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So listen, there's an important conversation that we need to have. This has been a long time coming. We need to have a talk, a serious talk, about church signboards. You know the ones I mean, the ones that sit outside of a church and have a supposedly witty message on them, and then the leadership of the church forgets about them and leaves the same supposedly witty message on it for like eight months. And let's be honest, they're never that witty anyway, or clever, or funny, or theologically profound. God always answers knee mail, right? The the level of laughter shows what's going on here. It's almost always a complete disaster all the way around. We will never, I solemnly pledge to you right now, have witty messages on a signboard outside our church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Good. I'm glad that we worked that out. Speaking of church signboards, there is a church with a signboard near my house, situated so that I drive past it literally eight to ten times a day. And I think, honestly, that may be underselling it. Twelve, fourteen times a day. And Every time I drive by, I get angry. (laughs) And normally these church signboards are just sort of silly. But this one is actually infuriating. So I find myself in a situation now where I'm getting actively angry 12 to 14 times a day. Now, I hope that I'm wrong, that I'm misinterpreting the message But I know something about the denomination this particular church belongs to. So I'm pretty sure I know what the subtext of the sign is. The signboard says, have you been hurt by the church? We're sorry. You're welcome here. Now, again, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I know exactly what they mean by that sign. They mean, has some church judged you? Has some church told you that you were doing something wrong? Has some church told you that you're a sinner? Don't worry. We won't do that here. And so I get mad. And I'm mad because it's churches like that that are the ones actually hurting people, despite saying the opposite on their signboards. They're hurting people by not telling them the truth, by leaving them in their sin, by allowing them to remain blind to their need for a savior, a savior who is the only path to salvation, to life. 
And so I get mad every time I see it. But you know what? As backward as that signboard is, it's probably not a bad marketing strategy. It's scratching an itch that all people have. We all hate to be told that we're in the wrong or that we're sinners. And we get angry and hurt when anyone, even the church, does it. We feel judged. And we don't like that at all. We love to be told that we're okay just the way we are. It feels so much better and nicer. But that way leads to death because that leads away from Jesus. It leads away from salvation in Christ. And this lesson that we need to be told what's wrong with us is a lesson to which Jesus is pointing us this morning as he continues to teach about his role as the bread of life. Now, you may have noticed that this week's reading from John chapter 6 is almost identical to last week's reading from John chapter 6. What's happened is that we found ourselves this morning in week two of Jesus's bread of life, bread of heaven speech. There was even some mild frustration expressed in my house when we realized that we'd already picked and sung all the good bread of life songs last week. (laughs) Of course, even though for us a week has passed, literally no time at all has passed for Jesus and his listeners, he's in the middle of the same sermon. Remember what's going on here. He's just miraculously fed 5,000 people. The people have followed him to a new place and have asked him for a sign, suggesting something like the manna that their forefathers were given in the wilderness. And last Sunday, we talked about how Jesus compared himself to Moses. Moses, he said, was not the one actually responsible for the bread that came down from heaven. Moses, on his own, couldn't save the people. Jesus, on the other hand, is a savior. He is the bread from heaven sent to save the world. But he's got another point to make, another lesson to teach. Your ancestors, Jesus says, ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Don't forget, Jesus is saying that even though they were fed by a miracle, they still died. Now, this would probably have had some special significance for the people who had just themselves been fed miraculously. But Jesus isn't trying to scare them or to just be some kind of fatalist. He's reminding them of a lesson that their people learned long ago, but a lesson that many of them will have forgotten simply because it's a lesson we are all prone to forget, a lesson that people forget very easily. So to relearn this lesson, let's go back as Jesus directs us to the wandering people of Israel eating manna in the wilderness. Well, kind of. Where we're actually going to go is to Deuteronomy chapter 8, in which Moses tells the people what the point of the wandering and the manna was. Now, in Deuteronomy, Moses is preaching to the people on the plains of Moab just before they're to enter the promised land. He reviews the people's journey, restates the law, 
and talks about the future of the land. What I want to draw your attention to this morning is his explanation for all the wandering and for the manna. An explanation which will help us remember the lesson that Jesus wants us to learn. That we must be brought low in order to be raised up. So here's Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. This is Moses speaking to the people. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Don't miss what's happening here. We have Moses telling the Israelites, the very chosen people of God, that their God has let them hunger and then given them a food that they were unfamiliar with in order to humble them, in order to teach them a lesson about where real satisfaction comes from. Now, this on the surface is a very different seeming God than the one who just fed 5,000 people on five loaves and two fish. That God seems more like a radical provider in a time of need, not so much a God who creates times of need so that he can teach lessons. A lesson teaching God might end up being put on blast by a church signboard. Have you been taught a lesson by God? We're sorry. You are welcome here. But listen, this is what the Bible tells us God is doing. And he's got a reason. Moses, remember, is preaching to a people on the cusp of entering a land that the Lord has promised them. A good land, he says. A land flowing with streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land where you may eat bread without scarcity. Where you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and from hills you may mine copper. Shall eat your fill. And bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. That's how Moses describes this land in the next few verses of Deuteronomy 8. And it sounds great. But remember that the people are not there yet. They're on the plains of Moab having wandered for two generations. But now something has changed. They have not wandered to no purpose. Now you get the sense from Moses's words. Now they have seen their need. They've been humbled. They're ready to receive God's gifts to them in a way that they were not before. God 
gave the people bread with which they weren't acquainted so that he could introduce them to the bread from heaven. God acquainted them with trials so that he could acquaint them with a savior. He's talking about bringing them down low so that he can raise them up. God showed the people their need so that they would understand just how profoundly God meets needs. This is typical of the entire story of the relationship between God and his people. In the book of Judges, for instance, God sees over and over again the complacency of his nation. They've forgotten how much they need him. So God raises up an enemy nation to oppress and terrorize his own people to remind them of their need. And then when they call out to him for salvation, God sends a judge to rescue his people. This is how God works. And it's a foreshadowing of the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which happens once for all for every one of us sinners. There's an episode of Sesame Street that I remember. And honestly, I was as shocked as you that the phrase Sesame Street came into my head. I was sitting at my keyboard and this episode of Sesame Street popped into my head. My kids haven't watched Sesame Street in ages. And full disclosure, I did have to look it up online to remind myself of the details. But in this particular episode, Abby who's one of the residents. I think she's one of the newer ones. I don't think Abby lived on Sesame Street when I was a kid. But Abby imagines that if she gives Oscar the Grouch, you know, the one who lives in the trash can, if she gives him a kiss, he'll turn from a grouch into a prince. Oscar, of course, being a grouch, does not want Abby to kiss him. So first he hangs out a no-kissing sign over the edge of his trash can. Then he puts on a catcher's mask. And finally, he dives deep to the bottom of the trash can that he lives in, all to avoid this kiss. Abby, however, is determined. She realizes that if she wants to turn the grouch into a prince, she's going to have to go into the garbage can. And that's just what she does. And this is good news for sinners like you and me. We have a God who came into the trash can to get us. But listen, this is the lesson we need to learn. We hate to admit that we live in the trash. It hurts. We feel judged. We get offended. We are attracted to people who will seem to be on our side. We'd so much rather hear, don't worry, everything is fine. You're perfect just the way you are. I can see the signboard. Has someone told you you live in a trash can? We're sorry. You are welcome here. We forget the lesson about which the Israelites were reminded on the brink of the promised land. God brought them low on purpose to open their eyes. He brings us low on purpose. To open our eyes, to show us the truth that we are desperately needy, that we live in the trash, 
that we are broken sinners. He points out our hunger. But he doesn't stop there, does he? The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus preached as he announced his public ministry, because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Luke 4, 18 and 19. And it's Jesus going public as the good news in light of the bad news. You live in the trash, but I've come to get you. You're dying, but I'm here to give you new life. You're hungry. I am the bread from heaven. Your ancestors, Jesus reminds the gathered crowd, ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is how low God has come. For you, down low, even to where you are, he has sought you out and found you living in a trash can on the point of death. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, Jesus says to you. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. God in Christ comes down. He doesn't wait for you to go up. He came down into death, taking all the condemnation that you earned onto himself and giving you his very flesh and blood, the bread of life. So come in faith, eat and drink. Acknowledge that outside of Christ, you are desperately hungry. But know that in Christ, you will never hunger again. Amen.